Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Rootspace Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And there is no look at last night's games because Thursday night's only game was rained out. The iCubs did not play. They are scheduled for a late afternoon doubleheader in Buffalo in case the rain permits them to play. So instead of talking about a game that didn't happen, I'm going to talk briefly about player assignment and something that I'd heard discussed and then something that I saw in reality and what that can kind of lead one to believe for the future because I believe in precedent and subtext, pretext, all that kind of stuff. I've been told by quite a few people who have opinions on things like these that this season Ed Howard should not be sent to South Bend because he had struggled in Myrtle Beach. So because he had struggled in Myrtle Beach, he should be sent back to Myrtle Beach and repeat Myrtle Beach again in 2022. Now, to an extent, that makes a bit of sense. To an extent, to a rather large extent, Ed Howard did struggle in Myrtle Beach in 2021. And very possibly, it possibly might have made sense to have him go back to Myrtle Beach in 2022. However, the reason to send him back to Myrtle Beach in 2022 was not because he had struggled in Myrtle Beach. I'm going to even adjust that. The reason to send Ed Howard back to Myrtle Beach in 2022 was not because, now listen to this entire concept, this entire sentence, this entire thought. The reason to send Ed Howard back to Myrtle Beach in 2022 was not because Ed Howard had struggled in Myrtle Beach in May and June of 2021. That's not the reason. The reason for assigning players to wherever the heck they're gonna supposed to go is because of how they were doing in spring training in Mesa in April, uh, in March. Some people have a disjointed view of spring training, whether major league or minor league, a disjointed view of major of spring training. Some people think that when people say he should be assessed based on spring training, I'm going to say that again. When people say that a player should be assigned based on how he's doing in spring training. Assigned based on how he's doing in spring training. They take that to mean only how he is doing in games. So, for instance, let's take minor leaguers. Minor leaguers, because there was still a major league lockout, 
were largely brought in with the major league coaching staff and all of the coaches looking on and everybody paying real close attention. What, March 24th? March 24th. So they they had basically, basically a month and a half of spring training. And some of them had gotten there before February 24th. So players at the minor league level had a month and a half or two possibly two months of spring training. And some of the players, what was that, about 50, 60, 70 players were there for even longer. They, they basically lived at the minor league training facility in Mesa all winter. All winter. November, December, January, February, March, start April. Now, if you are going to assess a player based on how he is going to do in April, May, and June of 2022, what would be the optimal evidence for how well that person is going to do? Would that be how he has been doing since December, December, January? February, March, little into April? Or would the player's predictive value be better served by, oh, let's, let's prioritize May and June of last year? For what possible logical reason, for what possible logical reason would May and June of last year Two months, two months when Ed Howard was facing pitchers that were far better than he is at the time. He was at the time. Howard missed some time due to injury. And anytime you're injured, some of the time when you come back from injury, you're just trying to get, get your feet back, you know, get your sea legs back. For what possible reason? Would May and June of 2021 be a better predictor of how a person would do in 2022 than how he's been doing the last three months? How he's been doing the last three months seems a heck of a lot better as being predictive as far as how a player would do. Similarly, part of assignments is, I'm going to phrase it this way, stuff that's not in a vacuum. When you look at a player, sometimes you look at a player and it's like, this player belongs to double A. Sometimes you can look at a player and tell rather quickly where he belongs. For instance, I think a person could relatively easily look at how Brennan Davis has done over the last, oh, two, three years, and say Brennan Davis belongs in AAA. I think a person very reasonably can say Brennan Davis belongs in AAA. No worries about that. I would say, based on last year 
and what I've heard from this year, it would be reasonable to say that Burl Caraway belongs in double A. Burl Caraway had a curious season. He had, he largely did well in advanced A ball, but he had a couple of bad spurts. And then upon being promoted to double A late in the season, Burl Caraway did quite well in double A. So if a person largely does well in advanced A, minus a couple of bad spurts, then gets promoted to double A and does well in double A, where do you think you should logically start him? To me, that screams send him to double A and let him do, go there because he's already had a degree of success there. There's no reason in sending him back to high A. There's no reason to send him to triple A. Send him to double A. Anderson Espinoza pitched well in double A last season briefly. Send him to double A. Caleb Killian pitched briefly for Tennessee in 2022. He'd also pitched some double A ball before being traded from the, which trade was that? Giants, from the Giants. And then he went to the Arizona Fall League and after one horrible outing, was fantastic the rest of the way, Cubs decided we're going to move him up to AAA. That makes sense. But now sometimes, 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 it's based on who a team has at those spots otherwise, at other levels. Because there's AAA, there's AA, there's Advanced A, there's Low A. What's important is to get regular time against appropriate skill level talent for all the really important players. Because there are some guys who, one way or another, they're probably going to fill in now and again. And if they do well, they will get more looks. If they do poorly, then they will get fewer looks. For instance, David Bodie back in 2016 was an absolute fill-in for Advanced A Myrtle Beach. Absolute fill-in. Yeah, you're going to be that other guy. We got, we got guys who are going to play. We got guys who are going to start. And then we got you. Myrtle Beach started the year with Ian Happ playing second base and a little bit of outfield. They had Glaber Torres at shortstop. And they had guys. They had guys. And David Bodie was the guy who would sit on the bench and when, okay, well, we played night game last night. We're playing a day game today. We'll give Glaber the day off. We'll let David Bodie play. Ian Happ, he's going to play center field today. We're going to let David Bodie play second. That, that's how David Bodie was. You know, we're, we're, he was the last guy on the bench. And when other people needed a day off, Bodie would get to play. Then, toward the end of the season, midway through the season, um, Hap gets called up and then, uh, Torres gets trade. No. Yeah. Torres gets traded and all of a sudden, well, we have to play David Bodie because he's the only guy left and David Bodie starts doing well with the added playing time and Myrtle Beach goes on a hot streak down the stretch. 
that's what you do with guys who we're not quite sure who he is. We'll let him sit the bench and we'll let him cover for the other guys when they take a day off. But if he starts to kick butt, then we'll play him a lot more. That's how it works. That's the way it goes. Um, so when you're looking at the AAA shortstop position, there's really nobody that sticks out as far as being a prospect. It's probably going to be uh, Esteban Quiero, or Quiero, Quieros, Quieros, I think it is. Um, you get a little bit of Dixon Machado. Get a little bit here, there, and everywhere. A little bit of everybody going out there. Then at shortstop in Tennessee, probably it'll be a combination of Andy Weber when he's healthy, Delvin Zinn, um, no specific prospects there that are, you know, Andy Weber kind of, but um, low A, you have Reggie Preciado and James Triantos, and eventually Kevin Alcantara will get added to the mix, but he's not an infielder. But yeah, it, it, so uh, so at South Bend, if you send Ed Howard back to Myrtle Beach, he's taking shortstop minutes from Reggie Preciado. If you send Ed Howard to South Bend, he's not really stealing shortstop minutes from much anybody. You put the players to the assignment that makes the most sense based on all the information that all of the coaches have. Not what you remember from May, not what you remember from June. It's what the coaches saw in Mesa in practice. Were you out there? Were you looking? Were you sweating in the heat? Or were you just sitting to watch a game and not even paying much attention when it was guys who you weren't familiar with? However it is that you do it is fine, but assignments are based on how a player did in practice, in warm-ups, is he paying attention, is he showing up and... Uh, Let's say practice starts at 9 o'clock. And let's say that the team's rule is if practice starts at 9 o'clock and you show up at 8.50, you're late. Could happen. I don't know if that's the case. But let's say that practice starts at 9, which means if you show up at 8.50, you're late. What time is that Howard showing up? You tell me. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there. If Ed Howard is showing up and doing the work and making the effort and getting the lifting in, and it looks like he's been doing a bunch of lifting, if he's doing what he's supposed to do, if he's done what he's supposed to do, then it would make sense if he seems like he's the best of best and most applicable player to put as the starting shortstop at South Bend based on what he's done in January, in February, in March, and into April, Sam to South Bend. 
Last May, last June, that's ancient history. Why should you be hung up on last May and last June when nobody who's whose opinion is important is hung up on last May and last June? Glaber Torah, or <laughs> Ed Howard should be based on the opinions the Cubs have on Ed Howard should be based on what he has done recently. Now, does that mean he's going to have a 978 OPS? That's not necessarily his game to start with. His game to start with is he plays really solid defensive shortstop. And on your BB ref page, there is no DWAR, defensive wins above replacement, for minor league players. There just isn't. So if you have a player who much of his value is his defense, and you are the person who is going to base a prospect sheerly off of OPS or ISO plus or whatever number you prefer, if the goal, if the reason Ed Howard is drawing rave reviews is because he plays shortstop really well, and you don't value he plays shortstop really well, then you're probably barking up the wrong tree. Ed Howard should be placed where Ed Howard is going to get regular at-bats against pitchers that will challenge him. How's he going to do in Myrtle Beach? Or in South Bend? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to be paying attention to how games go. Um... Friday night, it sounds like there may again be rain in Buffalo. So Iowa, who has two games scheduled tonight, I'm not sure if those games will be played or not. Since there seems to be some northerly weather, South Bend against Quad City on Friday may also be in question. So if you're banking on a game that will be played, possibly, and you can possibly learn something from, I would go with the southern rule that usually applies in April and May. Anyway, if there's a game where the temperature is 45 degrees, and there's a game where the temperature is 65 degrees, and I have no other compelling reason or anything to go off of, I'm going to prioritize the games played at 65 degrees because that is actual baseball weather. 45 degrees, 38 degrees, 35 degrees, 35 degrees, but we have to play the game so we can keep the tickets, the ticket money. I get the premise of doing that. I understand why a team would do that. But as far as that being compelling baseball, y'all, it isn't. Watching hitters hit in 35-degree weather is not compelling, at least on the baseball end. It might be a high-scoring game. It might be a low-scoring game. It might be anything. But if it's that cold... It's probably not going to be baseball ability that decides the game. It's going to be which pitcher gets behind in the count three and one 
and has to serve up a meatball. I'd much prefer, given the option, of watching a game in 65 degree weather or something like that, where the pitcher might do well or might do poorly, but it probably won't be based on the weather. Go out and see how they do. So uh, my listening choice will be the game in Buffalo if it starts at the appropriate time. But if it gets to be 6 o'clock Central, which is when all three of the other games start, my lean would either be Myrtle Beach or Tennessee over South Bend, because in South Bend, my guess is it would probably be kind of cold and yucky, and if it's going to be cold and yucky, I'd probably rather listen to another game. And that is the joy of the minor leagues, because I have four games to choose from, and I can choose whichever for whatever reason I want, and I can listen away and take notes. One thing I've done this year, I did it for Iowa walking into the season, and I did it for the other three affiliates tonight. I have an index card for each player on each roster. An index card to just jot stuff down. For instance, with, start, with pitchers, I'm jotting their fastball velocity and what their other pitches are then I will start taking notes further and further as the season goes along. Um, and then for hitters, I have a card for them as well. And I, I'll, I'll write what seems applicable. Uh, is the outfielder getting good reads on fly balls? Is, the, is his arm strong enough to get the challenge runner at the plate? Is he letting runners go first to third all the time because he's bad defensively, all that kind of stuff. Trying to take notes, trying to have things written down so I can remember, largely because when I rely on my memory from last May and last June, it's not as applicable as what's going on right now. At Howard, at shortstop, in Myrtle Beach, makes sense. It doesn't make sense because... He was a first-round draft pick. It doesn't make sense because he was lifting. It makes sense because probably the Cubs coaches have been paying attention in practice where we were not and know how he's done day after day after day, know how his offense is looking against appropriate level pitching, how his defense is looking, and... Who else would be the starting shortstop at South Bend if it were not to be Ed Howard? Ed Howard probably makes sense because nobody makes more sense at shortstop for South Bend than Ed Howard. Otherwise, the person that would make more sense at shortstop than Ed Howard would probably be the shortstop at Myrtle Beach. Uh, would probably be the shortstop at South Bend, as opposed to Myrtle Beach, where a lot of people wanted Ed Howard to go in a punitive fashion because he had struggled last May and last June. What matters 
the most is what has happened most recently. What I'm trying to focus on is which relief pitchers as of very recently at each of the levels are doing the best based on what I've heard, based on what I've seen, based on what people are telling me, at least people who are watching the games. So, the pitchers that are doing well, I'm trying to go with five-star, four-star, three-star, two-star, one-star system. I'm not going to bother putting the threes, the twos, and the ones. But if somebody's a five or a four, I'm going to try to put down this guy's a five or a four. The guys who are fives ought to get called up. The guys who are fours are on the verge of being fives. Or dropping to three, depending upon. And when you're dealing with Iowa, and their bullpen has been very good so far, the guys who are fives, they are the guys who possibly make sense for getting promoted. If a guy goes to Iowa and lays three or four eggs out of four or five outings, then they go away. Ed Howard belongs as a starter in South Bend if he showed that in spring training. And most of you weren't there. Most of the coaches, most of the coaches who have their opinions valued, most of those people were there. The people who know what was going on were in Mesa and know who would be the most applicable shortstop for the South Bend Cubs in 2022. And it sounds like their opinion is Ed Howard. And if that's their decision, I'm good with it. Now it's ours to sit back and watch and see how Ed Howard and the rest of the guys do. Thanks for stopping by.